Well, if you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is going to be our main text for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to encourage you to turn over there and follow along. Um, so today is our last Sunday that we know of to be online only. Next Sunday, we're going to have a hybrid offering of worship here at the building, or if you don't feel comfortable doing that and you need to stay home, we'll still have live stream for you. But this is the last Sunday of me preaching to an iPhone by myself. Uh, and it's kind of a significant Sunday for me. And so I've been doing some reflection over the last oh, few weeks or so. And I was thinking back to when this all started, you know, kind of early to mid-March. Uh, my family and I were on a little trip, a little vacation for spring break. And, and when we go on vacation, we do the best that we can to get off social media, to get off of our phones, and to kind of check out to the world, unplug from the world so that we can be together. And that's what we did that week. I knew something was going on. I knew there was a coronavirus out there. I just didn't know how bad it really was until we started coming home. And on Thursday, March the 12th, when we were driving home, we came out of the mountains, and we still had a long drive ahead of us, but I started to get cell phone service again. And when I got my cell phone service back, I was getting calls and texts and emails talking about church and what do we do? Do we cancel church? Do we cancel classes? How are we going to do communion different? And I was completely overwhelmed. It was like, hey, vacation is over with. It's like somebody just threw freezing cold water and splashed it in my face, like wake up to the world. I didn't realize how bad all of this really was. So we kept driving. We got uh, to the place where we were stopping for the night. We stayed in this hotel and that night I was watching on TV and uh, they had canceled March Madness, canceled the whole tournament. The NBA had suspended their season. The National Hockey League had suspended their season indefinitely. Um, everything was being canceled left and right. And I will confess to you on that day, Thursday, March the 12th, for me personally, the anxiety levels began to rise. I wanted so badly to be calm, but inwardly, I did not feel calm. The next day, Friday, March the 13th, uh, we were driving the rest of the trip home. And at one point we switched and Jessica drove for a little while and I sat in the passenger seat and I decided to just scrap the sermon that I had planned for that Sunday and write a new one. I thought it would be more appropriate to write a sermon that was more fitting for the occasion, especially as more and more information kept coming in. Like, for instance, on that trip home on Friday, we found out that school had been postponed, that my daughter was not going to be going back to school starting that Monday. We found out that her gymnastics had been canceled, a soccer season had been postponed, and it just seemed like all of it was flooding in. So I wrote a new sermon on the drive home Friday, March 13th, and then I showed up here Sunday morning, March 15th. And it was a very strange Sunday, kind of an eerie feeling. You see a lot of these seats behind me right now. And uh, we had about 200 people here that Sunday. And we normally have around 500. So about 300 or more stayed home and watched our live stream service. And that was the last worship service that we have had in this building. Uh, everything else has been online since then. So it was kind of an eerie Sunday on March 15th. But during the sermon, I preached about how, even though we take this virus very serious and it's scary and we want to take precautions and all of that, that with everything being canceled, 
and life slowing down a little bit and most of us being around our families and being home, that this might actually provide for us some opportunities. And during that sermon, I said there's an opportunity here to do some soul searching and to really reconnect with God. There's an opportunity to reconnect with your family, just an opportunity to just slow down and listen and stop being so busy all the time and and cramming our schedules packed full of things and being over-caffeinated and sleep-deprived like we can finally slow down. So use these opportunities. That's what I said during that sermon. Now today is Sunday, May 31st. So being the last online-only Sunday, to me, the March 15th and May 31st, they're kind of bookend Sundays. And what I've been reflecting on is I'm looking back over these last two and a half months, and I'm asking myself, how did I do? I said that we should do some soul searching. I said that we can reconnect with our families and we should reconnect with God. How did I do personally? How has God worked on me these last two and a half months? Or maybe a better way of asking it is how have I let God work on me? What's changed in me in the last two and a half months? And as we get ready to to reopen, Texas reopens, we're reopening our worship service next week, and, and I know life will slowly reopen. The virus isn't over yet, but as we begin to kind of wake back up to life, two really important questions moving forward I think we need to consider is where will we pick up? Like some of the things that we used to do, the extracurricular activities, our kids' events, whatever it may be, what are we going to just pick right back up like we never stopped? And what are we going to leave behind? What have we learned during all this that we know there's some things that we just need to leave behind? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, are three verses that I'm going to read today. Paul, writing these words about 2,000 years ago to this church in Corinth, I think has a message for us today as well. Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think that these words that Paul writes to this church in Corinth, I think it has a word for us today in our own situation. So I want to look back through these three verses. And we'll start with verse 16, where Paul writes these words, Therefore we do not lose heart. If you were to read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you would notice this is the second time that Paul has written this in this chapter. He starts chapter 4 in verse 1 by writing, we do not lose heart. And he comes back to it again. It's so important, he repeats it twice. We do not lose heart. What does that mean? Now literally, what Paul means by lose heart would be to grow weary or be discouraged, to experience setbacks. And Paul had plenty of those in his own life, and I think we've had plenty of those in our lives as well. What may cause you to lose heart, to become discouraged, to be weary? Have you had anything over the last two and a half months that might cause you or tempt you to lose heart? I know for me, one thing that's caused me to be discouraged and potentially lose heart is 
just being in a state of confusion. As we get ready to reopen church, and if you just scroll through Facebook or look on the news, I mean, there are so many different thoughts and opinions and theories of here's what we should do, here's how we should do it, that I just feel confused. And when I'm this confused at what to do and what's the right thing to do, it causes me to lose heart. But Paul says we don't lose heart. Over these last two and a half months, there have been some uh, challenges that I did not anticipate when we started this back on March 15th. One of those challenges was just, for one, preaching to an iPhone, like learning how to do that and get the lighting right, which I probably don't even have right right now. There's probably a shadow on my face. You know, all that's been difficult, getting the audio right. We started this year by saying uh, our vision focus is Christ in us, and we wanted to pursue unity as a church. And that's been challenging to do when we're all online. So all I have really is email or Facebook to try to help our church stay connected and unite and grow in Christ. And there's been times where I've been really discouraged and tempted to lose heart during all of this. Sometimes I felt like I'm losing heart in filming. And I'll give you an example because probably none of you have experienced this. But at the beginning of each of our worship services, I do a little welcome. I'm not even sure if you watch it or pay attention to it. And most of those are about a minute to two minutes long. And the first several weeks that I filmed those, uh, it was so frustrating, but it would take me two or three hours to film something that was only a minute or two. I mean, that is maddening to take that long to film something that seems so simple, but just getting the space right, getting the lighting and the audio and all that right. Like all of these things, all of these challenges that I have experienced and you probably have too, have probably tempted us to lose heart. And Paul writes... In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, we do not lose heart. These little troubles, these discouragements, these things that cause us to maybe be weary, it's not enough to cause us to lose heart. And here's why. He goes on to write, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now, when he says outwardly we are wasting away, He's not saying the body isn't important. He's not saying you don't need to take care of yourself. The body is important. In other writings, Paul says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to take care of our bodies. What Paul means by outwardly we are wasting away is just simply, I think, the aging process, which is just true. He's stating the obvious. None of us can prevent human deterioration. Our bodies are deteriorating and and we are aging and there's really not much we can do about that. And the older we get, the more we experience that. Outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. To Paul, that was what is important. Outwardly, there's not much we can do, but inwardly, we can be renewed day by day. So I'm thinking back to March 15th and trying to kind of evaluate myself, like how did I do based on what I claimed in that sermon I think that's what I was wanting for our church, for you, for me, is for us during this time of quarantine to be renewed inwardly. So how did I do with that? Well, I mentioned to you back on, back on March 12th when I was in that hotel room, the anxiety levels began to rise. And I will confess to you that in my own life these last many years, I've had some battles and struggles with my own anxiety. Battles and struggles with with stress, 
and things to that nature. And I guess the wishful thinking part of me was now that we're slowing down, now that we're quarantined, all of that is just going to go away. But I will confess to you that over the last two and a half months, those things did not just magically go away. I still struggle with the stress and anxiety, maybe in different forms, and maybe it has lessened a bit, but it's still there. How do I do with my habits, bad habits? Well, you know, getting these habits of drinking too much caffeine and uh, not healthy sleep habits and overeating and things like that. And I thought, well, maybe over the next two and a half months, all of those habits will go away. But I'll confess that some of those temptations are still there to overeat, to drink too much caffeine, to not take care of my sleep. So these last two and a half months didn't cure me of that. I look back on what I said on March 15th to do some soul searching, to reconnect with God. And I think in a lot of ways, I might have had an unrealistic picture in mind of what this could accomplish. It wasn't some sort of just magic snap your fingers and everything will be better. It wasn't even necessarily a reset button. It wasn't a cure all. But what I do think has happened over the last two and a half months, at least in me and hopefully in you, is that we're a little bit further down the road on the transformation process. Being transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ is not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen in two and a half months, but we are getting closer to that. Transformation is a process, and it's a slow process, but what Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 16, is that we're outwardly wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So we don't need to lose heart. Because God is working on us inwardly. In verse 17, Paul writes, Our light and momentary troubles, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, is how the NIV words it. And uh, other translations like the NRSV say, are preparing us for an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, if you were to look at Paul's own life, what are these light and momentary troubles that he's talking about? Well, Paul and most of the early Christians suffered physically because of their faith. And one of the things that Paul mentions earlier in the chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 8 and 9, for an example, Paul says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, that's the way Paul viewed it. Things are really difficult, but we're not crushed. We're not destroyed. We continue to press forward. God has not abandoned us. And even though we may not go through the same physical persecutions that Paul goes through, we can certainly identify with difficulties in life. And maybe even more so over these last two and a half months. And what Paul calls them in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17 is he says, they're just light and momentary troubles. They're really not as bad as maybe we think they are, and they're not going to last forever. How do we know that? Well, in comparison to this eternal glory that we anticipate that will outweigh any of the troubles that we experience right here on this earth. And Paul doesn't just mean that whatever you suffer, it's fine, you have eternal life. The context in which Paul is saying that he struggles with these light and momentary troubles is in the context of him doing the will of God, of doing the work of God. 
And then we look at verse 18, and Paul writes this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is just temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The things that we can see around us are outwardness that is wasting away, the troubles that we see all around us, the things that cause anxiety or stress in our lives. Like These are all just temporary. These are the things that we can see. But Paul says the way that we press forward in our faith is we focus not on those things, but we focus on what is unseen. He's even more clear if you looked at the next chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. We focus not on what we can see, but we focus on what is unseen. Because what is unseen is eternal. So as we get ready to begin to reopen into to life, to worship, and whatever it may be, how are we going to be different? How is our focus going to be different moving forward? And how do we focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen? Um, a few years ago, a preacher named Josh Ross wrote this book called Reentry. And I've really been thinking about this book as we get ready to reopen everything because uh, he did this research project where he went to Barrow, Alaska, the northernmost city in the United States. And if you didn't know this, uh, in that part of the world, they experience darkness for about two months. So every year from probably mid to late November to mid to late January, for around 65 days, the sun does not rise where they live. So they are in darkness. Now, of course, they have street lights and electricity, but they do not see the light of the sun for two and a half months. And a part of Josh Ross's research was to discover uh, where anxiety and depression and emotional uh, disturbances and things like that are at their highest level. And what he expected, and probably what you and I would expect, is that depression, anxiety, and things of that nature are increased during the period of darkness. And then you would expect that those things would start to go away when the sun comes back up in late January. But that's not what he discovered. What he discovered was that actually depression, anxiety, and things of those nature they rise, they get worse when the sun comes back up. That seems a bit strange to us. Well, the reason being is that most people may expect all of their problems to go away with the sun coming back with the light of the sun, but really, the conditions get worse. It gets colder. It continues to snow and ice continues to fall which I find that research fascinating, but I also find some correlation between his research and his book, Reentry, and what we're about to re-enter into. That we might be expecting for everything to just be fine and to just jump back into life and everything will be as it was before and maybe even better. But maybe there's a warning in that that sometimes depression rate or anxiety or stress levels, it can actually increase as we enter back into the light, so to speak. So as we get ready to re-enter each other's lives and then uh, the lives of, of your own community or, or family, whenever you do that, whatever that looks like, here's two things I think we should keep in mind. For one, especially as it relates to church, as we re-enter one another's lives, that I think we do it slowly and we do it respectfully. 
You're going to hear from Ricky Williams, one of our elders here in a minute. He's going to tell you about what this is going to look like next week. But my word of encouragement as we re-enter is to just be respectful of people. Not everybody is at the same level of comfort. So be respectful of them. How can we love each other and respect each other as we come back together? So I think we should re-enter one another's lives and do it respectfully and lovingly. And then also as we re-enter the world, we have to continue to ask ourselves, what needs to be different? What are the things that I'm going to pick right back up where I left off? But what have I learned during all this that needs to be different in my life? Do we need to just jump right back into the busy schedules and the busyness of life and then feeling what we would call FOMO, the fear of missing out, and so we don't want to miss out on anything, or we're on social media and we see somebody's over here doing this or that, so we just jump right in. We're doing all of these activities and we're always busy and we're always stressed out. Do we really need to pick right back up with a busy life? Or have we learned a few things over the last two and a half months? In that first sermon that I preached on March 15th, I called it Relax. I took it from the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. He once said to their fan base when they were really worried that Green Bay had completely lost their season, he said, five letters for you, R-E-L-A-X, relax. And in that sermon on March 15th, I said, I think that's what we need in our own souls is to be calm and to relax. So my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that as we enter back into the world, that one of the things that God has done in us and through us being renewed day by day inwardly in our inner spirit is that He has given us a sense of calmness in His presence as we move forward. And He's given us wisdom to know what we need to pick back up and what we need to leave behind. So I want you to hear Paul's words from 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 one more time as we get ready to close this part of the sermon. Paul writes, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal.